Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason here, bringing you guys the best of the AL East news today. Joining me, Ben Mandel. Thanks, Corey. How's everything going today? Everything's going swell. Can't wait to get this one rolling. John Pauline's here too. Hello. How's everyone doing? Fantastic. And last but certainly not least, my fellow Yankee fan, Dylan Mel. What's up, Corey? We're going to need to play It Was a Good Day. Finally, some positive vibes for the Yankees, which we'll get into later. Yeah, some really good moves. Something that you don't really see from this front office. But before we get there, let's run through some other stuff that was happening in the Major League Baseball world. Forbes, they released their MLB valuations. No surprise here. Yankees were number one at $7.1 billion dollars. That's up 18% from last last year. It's a lot of money, $7.1 billion. The Dodgers are two, $4.8 billion. They're also up 18%, but that's a big drop-off between one and two. Red Sox, Cubs, Giants, those are your top five. Other teams to note, though, the Mariners are 13th, but they grew 29% to $2.2 billion. To $2.2 billion. I guess that's what getting to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years does to a team. The Marlins are the least valuable, least valuable at $1 billion. The Mets, though, they're sixth at $2.9 billion. But they were working with an operating loss of $138.5 million over the year. And other reports say that it was much larger than that. So that's pretty crazy that the Mets were working with losing money. Otherwise, other news... MLB tried to trademark Boston, Houston, and Seattle, the city names. They said it's to protect city name use with their merchandising and stuff. But once people started hearing about this, they kind of rescinded it. They took it back, especially after the Red Sox said, hey, you know, this isn't us. We didn't want to do this. So the league office took back those trademark filings. And I don't know, I thought it was kind of weird and a little stupid how they think they would have gotten gotten away with it if it got caught. And especially if they thought they would get any type of good press out of it. Lastly, the Cardinals are promoting Jordan Walker. He's 20 years old. He was a former third baseman turned outfielder. Obviously, he's not going to play the hot corner with Nolan Arenado there. But in double A last year, he hit 304, 19 home runs, 22 stolen bases, and an 894 OPS. And he's having a pretty solid spring. 286, 308, 508 slash line. Three home runs, nine RBIs, and only 65 plate appearances. And he's going to end up being the youngest Cardinal to debut since Mr. Yips himself, Rick Ankeel, back in 1999. So that's going to be pretty interesting. You love seeing the young guys get a chance. We're going to be talking about a certain young guy on the New York Yankees in a little bit, getting his chance. But with that said, let's get into the AL East. Last year, everybody thought the Yankees were going to win 100 games. All they needed to do, like after June, was to go 500, and they would have easily won 100. But that didn't happen. They had a losing, like most of the season, and ended up with 99 wins. So the Yankees went 99 and 63. The Blue Jays went 92 and 70, second place. The Rays 86 and 76. The Orioles surprised a lot of people, going 83 and 79, and the Boston Red Sox came in last. At 78 and 84, this was the most hotly contested division, top to bottom, just all really, really solid teams. But 
the Baltimore Orioles, they're a team that they're really letting the young guys play their rotation. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and Grayson Rodriguez, their lineup, what they're trotting out, catching Adley Rutschman, first base Ryan Mountcastle, second base Adam Frazier, third base and my front runner for rookie of the year, Gunnar Henderson, their DH and Kyle Stowers, shortstop Jorge Mateo, left field Austin Hayes, center field Cedric Mullins, and right field Anthony Santander. My question for you guys is how does Baltimore build up on that surprising winning season last year where a lot of people had them maybe winning 60-something games? Yeah, Corey, I think that's the question that a lot of Baltimore Orioles fans have themselves as well. Was last year a fluke? Did they get hot at the right time? And I like that the Orioles stood pat with the direction and are continuing to go young yet again. This isn't a World Series caliber roster, but they have some real potential stars in the making. Adley Rutschman is already a top 10, maybe top 5, depending on how you feel about the catcher position in the league. Gunnar Henderson is as well my vote early on for AL Rookie of the Year. He's going to have a ton of opportunity to prove himself. And then you got guys in the outfield like Mullins and Santander that are vets at this point that can hit the baseball pretty consistently. And it's an overall really solid lineup. The pitching leaves some to be desired. However, bringing in Kyle Gibson, some veteran leadership to this team for what that's worth. Obviously, they got to improve there, but they're going to be still a very exciting team to watch game to game this season. Yeah, I think that this is a team and an organization that realized how good this division is. And they know that, yes, they want to be competitive, but they want to see what exactly they have out of these young guys. They brought in a veteran pitcher in Kyle Gibson who can help eat some innings. And that's what you're going to get. You know, you may not get a stellar outing every night from Kyle Gibson, but you're going to get five, six innings out of them, usually between two to four runs. And that's doable, especially for this Baltimore team in a park now that is all of a sudden a little bit more pitcher friendly. Another name to look out for, John Means. Coming back from Tommy Johnny, shooting for July. If he does end up coming back on time and Baltimore finds themselves in the race and they had a pitcher like John Means, a left-hander who is probably the best pitcher when healthy on this roster, all of a sudden things are a little bit more dangerous, especially if they go and acquire another pitcher at the deadline. We'd like to see if Grayson Rodriguez can blossom into something special as well. He's coming into his age 23 season, I believe. Maybe they can do a little bit more. Maybe these guys can be a little bit better and they can compete once again. I don't see them being a playoff team, although they would be playoff caliber in a different division. I think the Orioles just keep letting the young players play and just do what they do. I think they have future stars in Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez. I think both of those guys are going to have really great years. Gunnar Henderson's having a pretty good spring. Grayson Rodriguez is not having the best spring, but he's still learning. It's still early in the season. But I think both of them are going to be key players for the Orioles this season. Yeah, and one guy that we really haven't touched on a lot is Adley Rutschman, who he's pretty much anointed to be the future best catcher in baseball. Just this combination of contact, power, defense, speed. It's rare you see a five-tool player behind the dish, but he really is that type of guy. You know, somebody who's even a little better than like a JT Real Muto, who is that next best athletic build player. He's somebody that if he can really get off hot, the Orioles will be winning a lot of games because his pitch calling, his mind behind the plate is going to really help out a 
not so great cobbled together and young rotation. So if he can take that next step forward and be what people expect him to be, he's going to be a, a stud for years to come. Now a player that when they get studs, they just trade them away. They get rid of them. Tampa Bay Rays. Their rotation, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Zach Eflin, Jeffrey Springs, Yanni Chirinos. They're trotting out to the field, catching Christian Bethencourt, first base Yandy Diaz, second base Brandon Lau, third base Isak Paredes, their DHing Harold Ramirez, shortstop Wander Franco, left field Randy Arozarena, center field Jose Siri, right field Manuel Margot. But somebody we should note, Tyler Glass now, he's coming back from Tommy John, Tommy John surgery that was caused by Rob Manfred's change in the baseballs. And he also has an oblique injury. So my question is, what do we expect from Tyler Glass now? And do we see the Rays take another step back from the dominance we've seen them have the last couple of years? They've went from a team that's going to win the division to a team that's second, then third, and barely in the wild card. What do we make of them? I think the biggest thing to look at with the Tampa Bay Rays is what is their biggest asset? It's their manager, Kevin Cash, and his ability to plug players in in situations where they should succeed. He does it with his pitching. He does it with his pitchers. He does it with his players and platoons, you know, but at the same time, he had a lot more talent in years past that has now walked now Brandon Lau is still a good hitting second baseman Wander Franco appears to be a future star uh Randy Rosarena is who he is everybody has really caught on and really seen what he can do ever since that group made it to the World Series in 2020 now everywhere else the pitching staff there are question marks but the way this coaching staff is able to use these guys and get the most out of them makes me believe they will always be competitive in terms of them being a playoff team again this is a gauntlet of a division and I do think they take a step back just because teams like Baltimore and Toronto continue to keep making strides forward and those are teams that Tampa Bay used to take care of business against they would take care of business against the lesser teams in the division usually and that's where their success came from and their really good records would come from they're not going to necessarily have that this year they didn't have it as much last year and you saw they started to fall and they did take that step back you saw them come playoff time this was not a good team in the playoffs Cleveland showed that they couldn't hit and Cleveland who didn't have the best offense was able to outlast them their pitching was able to do more and outlast Tampa's they just don't seem like they're that good of a team especially because their ace and glass now still has these question marks and you know Shane McClanahan yeah he's got a rocket of an arm he seems like he's super talented and has a high ceiling but really for Tampa Bay like uh, behind them what is there to be too excited about yeah Ben I think you bring up some really great points there with the Rays you know for the past five or so years, I would say they've been the antithesis of the Angels, right? They've had consistent pitching, great managing. And while the lineup didn't look as flashy on paper as, say, the Angels did, they continued to produce in big spots, timely hits, time and time and time again. And we're finally seeing that lack of star power 
finally catch up to this lineup and this team, especially as the division gets better and better. Toronto and the Yankees have continued to grow as juggernauts in the division with some big power hitters and Judge, Stanton, and Vlad Guerrero that simply put the Rays just don't have. And when you have an injury to one of your better pitchers like Glass now, that really hurts you in that division, and we saw it hit them come playoff time, as you mentioned. And as for Glass now, Corey, to answer your question, I'm not sure what he will look like this season. It's so hard to tell when a pitcher's coming off of Tommy John surgery. But I will say this. I believe the organization of the Rays will manage him correctly. Whatever the best possible case scenario is for him, I think we see because of how well-managed this front office and team is. So one of the big problems with the Rays is they're kind of lacking... They have a lot of solid players, but they're lacking a superstar in the mix with them. And I think the Rays and the fans really want Wander Franco to be that superstar. But are they setting expectations too high for him too soon and maybe putting too much pressure and burdening him with being that guy? He's only 21. Yeah, it's certainly a high expectation for such a young player, but that's just what Tampa Bay does. And that actually leads into something else I want to bring up about Tampa Bay. And it's why they need the league needs to institute some kind of pay floor or threshold that teams need to start hitting because teams like Tampa Bay, teams like Oakland who have these low payrolls will never consistently be competitive. And it's not fair to these fan bases or these leagues. Yeah, I'm really glad you stopped at pay floor because I'm a big supporter of having a bottom minimum tier, but I was about to get heated if you're going to talk about a salary cap. No salary cap, just a pay floor. Pay pay floor, floor. no salary cap, because again, you don't want to punish teams for spending money and giving the players money. But you need to encourage the, you need to make these teams start spending at least a minimum. Yeah, and, you know, something like that should be like a percentage of what the luxury tax is, whether it's you must pay, you know, 30% of what the luxury tax level is, which would be like three times what the Tampa Bay payroll actually is. Well, exactly. And considering the fact that the luxury tax isn't it redispersed to these other teams? So the Mets who are yeah. pouring in all this money just for the owners to go pocket it. It's not like it's being redispersed. And that's where Absolutely. the issues of these small market teams are. They say, oh, well, we don't have the revenue of these big teams. Well, no, you're getting, you're taking the revenue share and just pocketing it. And that's where the issue is. These don't need to be cash cows. You're still making your money. You know what? The Make your team competitive. There needs to be a pay floor and you know, no salary cap because you don't want to cap the earnings of the players, but you need to get these small market teams to start spending money. Absolutely. And I think one way to to add to that before, you know, this gets into a whole big discussion is that you make it like a luxury floor, like the luxury tax. You're allowed to be below it, but if you're below that number, you don't get any of that revenue sharing money. So you can have a low payroll, but you don't get to pocket any of the money that the bigger teams are putting in to the other teams. And I think that's more than fair. I think there needs to be, I think there does need to be a penalty on top of that, that forces them to pay into it. Because if you're going to be paying into the tax, you may as well be spending that money on a player instead. I can go on forever though, talking about the, uh, the CBA and all the different luxury taxes and what could be, but we'll be here forever. Let's go on Boston Red Sox, the Yankees heated rival. Their rotation is looking a little off this year. Their ace is Corey Kluber. 
followed up by Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck, and uh, one of the best names in baseball, Cutter Crawford. And he does throw a cutter, I believe. Their lineup isn't much better. You got Mr. Caught in the Walmart parking lot himself, Reese McGuire. First base, Tristan Cassis. Really nice guy, by the way. Second base, Christian Arroyo. Third base, Rafael Devers. Shortstop, Kike Hernandez. Left field, Masataka Yoshida. Center field, Adam Duvall. Right field, Alex Verdugo. Their DH is going to be Justin Turner. And we should note that Trevor Story is going to end up taking over that shortstop role. But he had Tommy John surgery in January. But as a position player, it's not as invasive as a pitcher. So he's due to be out about four to six months. So we might be able to see him, you know, before the end of the season comes. Guys, I, I want to ask, though, does the do the Red Sox have the firepower in their roster to actually compete with some of the other teams in the AL East? So just for my aunt Narda's sake down in Florida. So Christian Arroyo is actually married into my family. So I have to say yes, just for that standpoint. But in reality, I don't really think so. I know, Corey, you're always going to worry about the Red Sox just because you're a Yankee fan and you're always going to take them seriously. But in reality... The lineup isn't there. Losing Xander Bogarts is a huge hit. I know they brought in Trevor Story for this exact situation. Rafael Devers is talented. They can maybe get some pop out of him. But the pitching staff, I mean, come on. What are you really expecting out of Chris Sale at this point in his career? He has just been hurt constantly. And when he's actually pitched, he's not been good. I, the bullpen isn't going to be much better. Uh, I just don't really see where they actually are going to be able to compete with the teams that are in not even just their division, but the American League. I do like them bringing in Duvall. I think Kike Hernandez is at best a utility player, not an everyday player. That's when he's at his best is when you get to ride him and play him when he is riding the highs and that hot streak. He needs to not be someone who is in the lineup every day, let alone your everyday shortstop. I do like Tristan Casas. I think he's someone who can be a good player potentially in the future. Bobby Dahlbeck, I'm always just, he's like a fan favorite to me personally. I always just enjoy watching him play. I think he's fun to watch, but I, I just don't see it for this team this year. Yeah, Ben, I, as a Yankees fan, hope that this team does not have it this year. However, there's a lot of question marks that if they go the Red Sox way with the extra playoff team added now, they could sneak their way in there. We all know that they're a well-run organization, great management, and they've got some solid vets on the team. Devers, Verdugo, you know, can they get a bounce back season out of Justin Turner? He's just going to be playing DH for them, so that should be solid there. What is Yoshida? Can he come and hit at the MLB level the same way or close to what he did in Japan? If so, they've got a potential star on their hands and could make some noise. And that one through four in the lineup will be very challenging for pitchers to get through. And when it comes to their side of the pitching, you said it best with Sale. It's all about injuries for this team. They have not had a healthy starting pitching season in a long time. And if they were to have one, then I think they could be in the wild card mix. Now with a lot of question marks like that and a bunch of ifs, ands, or buts, I'm going to lean that they'll miss but there's a world where they do figure it out and they do get into the playoffs this year. Yeah, it, I think that could happen. I do want to mention that I can't hate Tristan Cassis. I was at a Somerset Patriots game, the Yankees double-A team, about two years ago, 
And I actually met him after the game. He was signing autographs for people. And he was just talking to me and my buddy. And he just was a super nice, genuine guy. Talked about how he hates signing uh, like baseball cards for tops because it just takes so much time. And he thinks it's so stupid that he'd rather, you know, sign and talk to people at the games, especially whether they win or lose. He wants to talk to fans that way. He doesn't want to just sign like a thousand pieces of cardboard for them to be sold in stores. And just the disdain he had for it, I thought was really funny. But just again, a nice, genuine dude. You know, I don't want to root for him, but I'm certainly not going to root against him. I just think that the Red Sox, they can go either way. They can they could be a team that surprises a lot of people, kind of like the Phillies last year. Or they can kind of just fall by the wayside and be nothing like what the White Sox have done the past couple of years. It really depends on their pitching. And you guys said it. Who knows what this team's going to be? Can uh, Yoshida hit Major League pitching? I think he can. And... I don't know. There's just a lot to talk about with them. It's interesting. I don't think Adam Duvall is the greatest center fielder out there, but who knows what he could be out there. Just their team that I have a lot of trouble putting my finger on, but let's move on to the Toronto Blue Jays. Their rotation, Alec Manoa, Kevin Gausman, Jose Berrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi. Their lineup is catching Alejandro Kirk, first base Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Second base, Whit Merrifield. Third base, Matt Chapman. DH, Brandon Belt. Shortstop, Bo Bichette. Left field, Dalton Varsho. Center field, Kevin Kiermeyer. Right field, George Springer. And before you guys answer anything, I do need to ask Dylan, is this year the movie? I do not think that this is the year for the Blue Jays, if that's what you're asking. Well, I'm, I'm referencing a couple years ago, I believe it was 2021. Uh, the Blue Jays had a pretty good year. They made a lot of improvement. And after the season, Vlad Guerrero Jr., while, you know, talking bad about the Yankees, said, don't worry, last year was the trailer. Next year's the movie. You know, talking yeah. about how the Blue Jays are going to be really good. And the Blue Jays were just okay last year. Yeah, Vladdy does tend to talk a lot of smack about the Yankees, which so I that find to be very interesting. Especially. Yeah. Um, especially in terms of the smack that he talks as if they dominate while he does dominate their pitching specifically Garrett Cole. It's not like the blue Jays dominate this matchup specifically. And I do remember towards the end of last year, the Yankees winning a road series in Toronto to kind of cement the playoff standings as they were. But last year I was high on Toronto. I had them going all the way to the world series. I thought their lineup was built for it and I had more faith in their pitching than clearly I should have. Now, the lineup takes a step back, losing Teoscar Hernandez. Verishow is a great player, very versatile utility player, can catch, can play the field. That's a great addition for them. And they are solid one through nine. Can they stay healthy, especially George Springer? That's always a huge question. They bring in Brandon Belt. I like that move for them as well. The pitching is the biggest improvement to me. I think one through four is very solid for them. Jose Barrios is one of those players who could have a Cy Young season or he could have a four or five ERA season. That's, that's the biggest question mark on this roster for me. What do you get out of the pitchers that are not Manoa, Gossman and Bassett? Because that would be what would take you over that next level to be a true world series contender, but they'll be in the playoff mix. And, you know, I don't want to spoil the Yankee talk, but with some early injuries that the Yankees do have, I think they could be contending for this division. Yeah. I just want to touch on something you said before Dylan about how the Blue Jays are trying to kind of make a rivalry with the Yankees. And that kind of leads me to the question I wanted to ask you guys. 
why do the Blue Jays keep trying to engineer that rivalry with the Yankees? They're kind of trying to be like the modern day Red Sox with them. And it's just one-sided, it seems. What do they have to gain from that other than like riling up their fan base and kind of just like getting the other fan base to not really care too much about them? Well, that's exactly it right there, Corey. It's additional motivation to go and play the game. You know, sometimes you need to do whatever it takes so that way, so you can go and, you know, have that energy in the stadium. You have to do whatever it takes. Now, not every team needs to go make that rivalry and talk it up and try to create the hype around it. But, you know, for some of these Blue Jays guys, you got to realize when you are on the losing side of all of these games, it develops a hatred for you. So, the, yeah, it's going to be one-sided because it's been a lot of one-sided winning. So there, that, that's where it comes from. And it's great for the sport. That's why all these division games are awesome when you see teams that much each year. Now, I do want to talk about Dalton Varsho because this is a guy that Toronto's taking a, they're taking a shot on him. They go, they trade Lords Guriel Jr. as well as catcher Gabriel Moreno for him. They did this uh, to bring Varsho in. They they like him. They think he could play. I like Alejandro Kirk behind the plate as well as Danny Jansen. And, you know, Dylan, to your credit, I give this pitching staff a lot of credit this year as well. And I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year. I think Alec Manoa continues to get better. I think Kevin Gossman is going to have a better year this year. Same for Hinjin Ryu. If he actually is able to come back and pitch, I think the bullpen, they went and made some moves midseason. They'll have a full year there. They'll be better. And guys like Zach Pop, Yimi Garcia as well, coming over from the Marlins. Jose Barrios. I know, Dylan, you're a big fan of Luis Castillo I'm a big fan of Jose Barrios as well I think he's someone who can be really strong for them I think the signing of Chris Bassett is a solid move he was very strong for the Mets last year all season long probably he was their most consistent pitcher going out there and just throwing seven innings every game no matter what and it was always just him finding a way to gut through those seven innings and give up less than uh, four runs he'd give up three or less usually offensively the pieces are there the infield with Biggio Bichette Belt and Chapman that is a very very strong group along with Vlad Guerrero Jr. you have guys like Kevin Kiermeyer who can play the field very well George Springer Dalton Varsho you know Whit Merrifield this is a very very strong group in Toronto as long as everyone is healthy they can certainly make a push to be one of the best teams in the American League let alone the American League East yeah, the Blue Jays are a team that really concern me, especially with how we see the Yankees and their possibilities. But I don't know. I, I think Toronto is going to fall short again. I just don't know how that pitching holds up. I am not a big Barrios guy. I don't like Bassett. I think Galsman's not that good. I think Manoa's fantastic, and I think he could win the Cy Young. But after him, I don't trust a single arm on that roster. But a roster whose arms I also don't trust is the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole, Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez Jr. And it looks like Johnny Brito. They do have a lot of injuries to that rotation. Rodon, he's due back in like late April, early May. Severino, they're saying late April, early May. But I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being June. Frankie Montas, he could, he could be out all year. 
I think that's preferable to be honest. I think he's a horrible player, terrible pitcher, and the Yankees are better off without him. The roster, though, catching Jose Trevino, first base Anthony Rizzo, second base Glaber Torres. I have DJ LeMahieu at third, Donaldson DHing, Anthony Volpe at short. We did find out earlier today that he didn't make the roster. So if he made the roster and got the call up, you could be assured he's going to be that opening day shortstop. Oswaldo Cabrera in left field, center field Aaron Judge, right field Giancarlo Stanton, Harrison Bader should, should come back mid-April, early May. That's to be That seems to be the sweet spot for these Yankee injuries. But can a team this injured keep it afloat? And what are your expectations for Volpe? Plus, I want to get everybody's thoughts on how many games Giancarlo Stanton is going to actually play in the outfield, given that Aaron Boone said he wants to play him out there a couple times a week. Yeah, Corey, so jam-packed there, a lot going on with this Yankees team. So I'm going to try and go point by point the same as you. Starting with the pitching rotation, here's how I feel. You had Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez starting the year. Both were potential Cy Young candidates last year. Nestor Cortez, obviously we know he had that all-star year. I'm a big fan of Clark Schmidt. Domingo Herman has proved to be serviceable for the Yankees in stretches, which is all he'll really need to be in the, at this time. And Johnny Brito had a five and a third inning perfect game today. Obviously it was spring, but you can't ask for much more in terms of being a good sign for a guy that you need to hold it down for about a month, month and a half, depending on how, you know, they manage Rodon and Severino throughout this time. As for the lineup, you know, Volpe will be the starting shortstop. This is fantastic news. This kid has all the tools, all the makings, everything you want in an emerging star, especially in New York, especially at the shortstop position. And they went into spring saying it was a competition. And many Yankee fans like myself were skeptical because the Yankees simply don't like to go young because they're always in contend now mode, which I understand. But when you have all these top prospects, there comes a time where the fans are itching to see it. And they are producing at such a high level in the spring, in AAA, in AA, that it's like, why are we not playing these guys? Peraza sent down, tells me Volpe will be the opening day shortstop. There's no way they swerve and go IKF. They would never. In terms of your lineup, I think Glaber might end up being DH, Donaldson at third, DJ at second. Just in terms of gloves, I think that could work out a little bit better. I wouldn't be shocked if they started Aaron Hicks in left field on opening day and want to save Oswaldo Cabrera as more of a utility player since he can play virtually every position on the baseball field. Him and IKF are very versatile. I think that they like having those as bench pieces. And my expectations for Volpe this season, I'm thinking 270 batting, and I'd hope to see a really good glove, but they got to give him the opportunity. If he starts off slow, he starts off slow. The Yankees themselves will likely start off slow, but I think this lineup can carry them to a 500 record before the pitching comes back. Yeah, I think that they will be fine, honestly, because this lineup is built to win without good pitching. You play in Yankee Stadium. You play in a division that is very much a hitting division. I don't think they have to worry too much right now 
their lineup is going to hit. When you have Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo in the lineup, they're going to hit. DJ LeMayhew, the hit and on-base machine at the top. Josh Donaldson, does he have another resurgent year in him? It's something he has done a couple of times now throughout his career. Jose Trevino, behind the plate, an outstanding defensive catcher. One of the few times you actually saw a catcher make the all-star team because of his defense, which is great to see for me, in my opinion. Now, you look at Trevino and this pitching staff, he'll be able to keep things calm while they, you know, settle in and have these arms uh, slowly coming back and uh, Rodon and whether Severino is able to come back and actually pitch and pitch the entire season after he comes back for the Yankees is actually is unknown. We'll see. Clark Schmidt's development has been very nice, and they still have Garrett Cole, who is a true legitimate ace, and that's why the Yankees are the Yankees. They have their big guy still. Rodon is a plus. He is a lefty pitching in a ballpark that you need to have a good dominant lefty in. And that is something that the Yankees have been searching for since they lost CC Sabathia. Yeah, Ben. So I want to add on how important Judge is to this team. He is really the cornerstone of this Yankees team, and he's coming off of a historic season last year, hitting 62 home runs and breaking the single-season American League home run record. And he just signed a huge contract with the Yankees for nine years, $360 million. Now, I think a big question is is, is if, if he's going to stay healthy and repeat what he did last year or come close to it. I mean, I think teams are going to pitch around the more and you're going to see him walk a lot more than he did last year. Now, he did walk 111 times last year, which is a lot. But I think he, I think he's going to top it this year because I don't think teams are going to even want to put balls in there that he can even hit or even catch with his bat. Yeah, judges, I don't know. I feel like last year might have almost been like an anomaly for Judge. I love Judge. He's my favorite Yankee, but I just think he's going to his numbers are going to fall off just a little bit. But even if he hit 285 with 43 home runs and 115 RBIs, that's a fantastic season. I'm hoping that the health can stay with him. Last year was his pretty much first healthy season ever. Even his great rookie year, he missed a couple games due to due to injury back in, uh, I think it was August, early September. But then again, they're the Yankees. They're going to win games. And... All that matters is October. You want everybody healthy for October. I'm really concerned. I don't want to say concerned. I'm really intrigued by how a lot of their holes are going to get plugged. You have Cabrera, who can play a lot of different positions. LeMahieu, who can play first, second, and third now. IKF's been getting time in the outfield. Does Aaron Hicks get launched to the sun? Who knows? It's just the Yankees seem to be the one team that has the absolute most question marks surrounding their roster. And that's crazy because the Yankees should be a top World Series contender. So to have so many questions surrounding them is really odd. But the Yankees window did open up and got longer with the addition of Volpe. Plus, I expect Dominguez to debut later this year. Peraza will get another chance to be up here. If Glaber does get moved, you have your young middle infield for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully. There's a lot of good coming to the future of Yankee fans, and I'm just really excited to see it. I hope a guy like Rizzo with the abolition of the shift is going to be able to increase that batting average and you know, just get more hits. 
we know he'll get on base, but just the hits in general and how he approaches should change due to the uh, due to the shift getting uh, taken out of the out of the way. I'm excited. I'm just really excited about Yankee baseball this year. Yeah, couple of points. First, I want to bring up with Judge. I think really. As lo- to your point, Corey, as long as he's hitting, I would say the expectation for him across the first, let's call it three to four years of his contract, as long as he's giving you 38 home runs and a 270 batting average with 100 RBIs, that contract is more than worth it. And that's what the production has to average to for each season over the first three or four years. And I think that the judge is more than capable of doing that. I think he will by far and away exceed that to the point on Rizzo. Now I think Anthony Rizzo should get the average closer to the 290, 300 mark along with more home runs. Now with the short porch, we already saw him start to hit more home runs. Think about it when he's in Wrigley, he had to pull the, if he was pulling the ball down the line, he had to hit the ball 360 feet just to get it out. So it's a big transition going to Yankee Stadium after you played your the start of your career in Wrigley Field. Now he's realizing without the shift, he can just pull the ball through the hole now. He can do that. There'll be plenty of room for him to get those singles. A lot of those ground outs for him are going to be gone. We're going to see a lot less double plays from him, I believe, as well, because teams would still kind of shift over a little bit and try it depending on who the runner was at first. But really, I think uh, the biggest thing with this team, yeah, the question marks are there, but the question marks are health. And that's really every team. I think once the pitching staff is healthy, and by that I mean really once Rodon comes back. As long once Rodon comes back, this is the best pitching rotation in baseball, in my opinion. The Mets get a lot of talk for the for having Verlander and Scherzer at the top of their rotation. Well, Cole and Rodon rival that just as much. And for this Yankees rotation, it is lethal. It is deadly. And I think they learned from what happened against Houston in the playoffs last year. They need more pitching to compete with them, and they are not going to let themselves lose another playoff series to Houston, especially like the way they did. Yeah, Ben, I think you made a great point about Anthony Rizzo being the biggest benefactor of the shift going away. Now we saw some kind of makeshift shift work in spring. I'm excited, not excited, maybe more interested is the word to see how that plays out in the regular season. Is there a way that these teams still shift over to the right for Rizzo? And if they find some loopholes, can he work around it or is it still going to be a problem? And when you talk about the biggest question marks with this Yankees team, Obviously, every team deals with health, like you said. But for me, it's can they hit consistently in the postseason? I know Corey feels the same pain that I feel, especially against the Astros. But it feels like the bats just disappeared from time to time. They had some winnable games in the ALCS in which they were swept. I think the game that Severino started was a prime example of that. He went out there and played excellent but Houston just had a better lineup and came through and hit in the bigger moments. And that's been the story for the Yankees the last five years versus Houston. Can the Yankees finally step up and hit when it matters? Yeah, the Yankees hitting is their issue. I I do got to go against what Ben said before. Pitching isn't why they've lost to Houston. Pitching has never been the reason. 
it's all about timely hitting. The Yankees just can't hit when it comes to October against them. That's been the issue. So while adding to the rotation is great, that's not why they're losing to Houston. They're losing because they can't hit. You had that game in 2017 against Lance McCullers where he just annihilated the Yankees with his curveball in game seven of the ALCS. And take that in every other time the Yankees have faced Houston in the playoffs. It wasn't because it was the Yankees pitchers giving up too many runs. It was because the Yankees offense couldn't scratch across one, two, or three runs and make the Houston pitchers work. So if the Yankees offense can finally figure that out, then they'll be able to beat Houston and get that off their back. But it's certainly not about their pitcher. Here's the thing about that, Corey. What what do they really need to do to improve the lineup? Because they're clearly not uh, changing pieces, right? Obviously, you know, you, you hated Donaldson. You want Donaldson IKF out. Well, at least Volpe's playing short. So you have a solution at shortstop. And it's not like these guys didn't hit the entire season it's not the you know the Yankees it's not like it's they're gonna go move on from Judge because Judge has a bad postseason you know he does it throughout the regular season obviously yes in order for them to succeed these guys do need to figure out hitting in the postseason but adding the pitching depth certainly relieves a little bit of that pressure for the offense because they know they have a little bit more room for error Obviously, you don't want to go in there thinking you have room for error. But when you have that wiggle room, when you know, hey, Garrett Cole's on the mound, he's not going to give up more than two or three runs. Hey, Carlos Rodon's on the mound. We're going to get six, seven scoreless out of him tonight. You know, that makes a huge difference for a lineup. And when Houston's going out and trotting out all these pitchers and you're able to not only get a guy like Rodon, but Houston loses a guy like Verlander, that's certainly an edge. And I think that is certainly a key reason as to why the Yankees brought Rodon in. And it's because they were outmatched by Houston's pitching and they know they can do the same to them by bringing in a guy like Rodon and adding another arm to the staff. No, I, I see where you're coming from. I just think that for them to be successful in October, they just need to hit the ball. Forget about everything else. Just hit, hit, hit. But let's go to how we think the 2023 standings are going to go. I'm going to start last place, go all the way up to first place. As always, I'll give my record prediction, plus I'll share Pakoda's projection, and we can go based off of that, whether it's higher, lower, and how you guys feel. So in last place, I have, with a 78-84 and 84 record, the Baltimore Orioles, and Pakoda has them slightly worse, 74-88. and 88. Yeah, Corey, I certainly think that's in the realm of possibilities for Baltimore, right? We mentioned this earlier. They are not swaying from the plan. They are looking to go young, and a step back, especially with pitching, is viable. And Boston got better. So I'm going to agree with you here and say that the Orioles do finish last in the division. I do think mid-70s feels about right for them. Let's not forget they did have... I don't want to say a miracle run, but they were very hot in the middle of last season, and perhaps that doesn't happen this year. Yeah, I disagree. I I do think, and when I say I disagree, I disagree with them being in last place. And I don't think that Boston really got that much better. I think that the reality of the situation for Baltimore is that they know they're not going to give up assets to go try to win right now. They're still trying to feel out who is going to be here for the future. That's what this season really is. 
another year or two for Baltimore before they really start competing. I do think they're right around the 75 to 77 win range, though. I also disagree with them coming in last. I think all their young players, I think, are really good. I think they're going to get them far this season, and they're going to end up getting maybe coming in fourth, maybe even possibly third in that division. I like that, John. A lot of faith in the Baltimore Orioles. For me, fourth place, I do have the Boston Red Sox. I have them going 83 and 79. Pakoda has them at 80 and 82. I have them and the Orioles kind of flipping from how things shook out last year because I do think that they were both very close in how they played last year. I'm a little higher on the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are just going to be pesky and compete, and they're a team that's going to give a lot of good teams fits. I really just don't trust what Boston has. I think Kenley Jansen was really losing it. We saw that towards the end there with Atlanta. I think their pitching just doesn't have it. I don't trust those guys. You know, James Paxton, how much does he have left? We saw what happened when he left Seattle the first time. You know, when you look at, I mentioned before, Chris Sale, what does he have left? We all know what Corey Kluber has been. He really hasn't been great. The Yankees know exactly what Corey Kluber is, and I'm sure they are licking their chops for the first start Corey Kluber makes against the New York Yankees. Now, yes, there are some bats in the lineup that can hit. You still have Rafael Devers. They bring in Justin Turner, who's just going to DH. Maybe that helps things out. I mentioned I like Bobby Dahlbeck. Corey, you're a fan of Tristan Casas. I like. I have to go with my guy Christian Arroyo. You know, Adam Duvall, whether he's a good center fielder defensively or not, he can hit. Alex Verdugo, he's someone you hope can hit. So, yeah, maybe there's some things you can feel good about in the lineup. But in terms of their pitching, I just don't think it's going to be there to compete, especially when their lineup is going to have to go the, against the likes of most of the pitching staffs in the division outside of maybe Baltimore. But I like Baltimore's lineup more than Boston's. I think their old pitching staff is going to come back to haunt them. They have four guys over 30, and they're eventually going to start getting hurt. And then it's like, what do you do when they start getting hurt? I just don't think they're going to be able to compete just long-term the whole season and keep up the pace with all these other teams. Yeah, John, I think that's a great point there. You know, if you told me you were getting a healthy Red Sox pitching rotation all season, I would seriously consider them to be a wild card team. But you know injuries are going to happen. I agree with Corey, though. I do think this team can finish fourth in the division. You know, I don't want to have the exact same standings as last year. So this is where my personal shakeup will be. I like the hitting in this lineup a little bit more. Losing Xander Bogarts was a major loss, but I think throughout the lineup, they will be more consistent now. They've got some young guys that we talked about earlier that I think will produce. It's pitching. Pitching is the biggest question mark for them. I have them at about a 77-78 win team. Yeah, it comes down to pitching. That's all it really does for the Red Sox. I think their offense will be there. If that pitching staff can stay strong, they'll be a little competitive. Maybe not playoff worthy, but they will have an enjoyable season for their fans. Third place, the Tampa Bay Rays. I have them going 87 and 75. Dakota also has them going 87 and 75. The Rays are going to be a very good competitive team. They always are. They have a fantastic manager in Kevin Cash. He's really able to keep things together when the talent level's not there. And I do expect to see a guy like Wander Franco take another step forward. Randy Arozarena coming high off the WBC really making that world audience raise fans, really. Plus, I think uh, Shane McClanahan is 
possibly the sneakiest best pitcher in baseball. His stuff is ridiculous. Cy Young candidate again. And I think the Rays are going to be a very tough out this year. Yeah, Corey, while we do agree on where this team will finish in the division, I don't think we completely agree on their outlook for this season. I don't think the Rays will make the playoffs either. I think that they're a low to mid-80s win team. In terms of their pitching, McClanahan is great. There's no doubt about it. But with Glass now coming up of Tommy John, there's nobody else really in that rotation that I trust to be consistently good to great for them. In the lineup, we mentioned earlier, they don't spend money. They're losing star power. They lose star players. And I think it finally comes back to bite them, and they finally miss the postseason this year because of it. I agree. I think that I'm right there with Dylan. I think that this team does end up coming in third in the division, but they're closer to 500. I think they're maybe an 84, 85 win team at best. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think the AL West is able to find a way to maybe get a second team in this year. And we only see two teams from the American League East. Who knows? Maybe we see one from each division. If the White Sox are able to get themselves together, like I do think that they will. So there are certainly other teams in the American League this year that can compete. I think for Tampa Bay, Kevin Cash is only able to do so much. And part of the reason why they've had good success is because they've had good pitching. And it just doesn't look like they're going to have it just yet. Now, we've counted out Tampa Bay before, and they've gone off and won the division. So who knows? Maybe they can go out and pull a 98-win season out of their belts. I just don't see it happening. I think that this is a 500-ball club, and who knows? Maybe we see Tampa Bay sell off some more pieces to go collect some prospects, such as a Randy Arozarena, maybe, or a Tyler Glass now, if he's able to come back and pitch well. I think the Rays can make the playoffs this year, but two things need to happen. Glass now needs to come back and be the dominant pitcher that everyone thought he was going to be. Because with him back, the Rays are really scary in a short series with him. And Wonder Franco needs to step up and be that superstar that they want him to be like this season. I got the Toronto Blue Jays coming in second. No surprise there. They're going to have a better year than last year. I think that's without a doubt. I have them going 96 and 66. Pakoda has them taking a step back, though, 89 and 73. I think guys like Vlad Jr., Bichette, Manoa, Alejandro Kirk is an amazing catcher, especially offensively. I think they have too much talent to not be a mid-90s win team, especially because they get games now outside the AL East, less games against the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and Orioles, who will all be at least halfway decent. This is a division where we're talking about the worst team in the division having maybe mid-70s in the wins, if not high 70s. So they'll be able to play a lot worse teams. They'll get more games against like the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Reds. So I just think without a doubt, a good team like them will have a higher win total than the previous year with all the improvements that they have just by matter of fact of uh, development in their players. Yeah, Corey, I think you hit the nail on the head. Everything there, I pretty much agree with. You know, this team is too talented to be not a 90-plus win team. And I do think due to the scheduling, like you said, they find the mid-90s. The pitching is better this year, and they needed it to be. The lineup's going to produce runs. Did they lose some pop? Sure. But they have plenty of good contact guys that can get on base for your Vlad Guerrero Juniors of the lineup. If George Springer can stay healthy, that adds a whole other element to this team. 
I really like Toronto this year to get 95, 96 wins and be a real threat force in the postseason. I agree. I think that this is a 95-win team at worst. I think that is the expectation. Now, winning the division isn't necessarily what's important to them. I think this is a team that knows and saw what happened in the National League last year with the two teams that burned themselves out trying to win a division title, or the Braves, Mets, and Dodgers, the three teams there. They burn themselves out. They end up getting knocked out in all of their first series, respectively. I think that is also part of what happened to Toronto as well last year. Also, the motivation for a Seattle team that is just dying to have a home playoff series also factors in there. But you look at, you know, the teams that, you know, really burn themselves out in the regular season. I think Toronto knows that they need to just find a way to get in the playoffs and really kick it into gear in September and into October. This is a team that will win 95 games. I think they come in second because the Yankees are just too good. I agree with Ben. I think they're probably going to win 90, 95 games this year, but ultimately end up coming in second to the Yankees. And Dylan said earlier, like they did lose some pop, but in replace of that pop, they beefed up their defense. So I think ultimately, like they still have a lot of pop there now. They should have a really good offense and be hitting a lot, but they've also added some, you know, some defensive guys in Kiermaier and uh, Varsho. And I think ultimately that's going to help them be a better team all around. Now, big shocker here, first place, the New York Yankees. I have them going 162. In Aaron Boone's managerial career, he's only had two seasons where he didn't get 100 wins. And one of them was the 2020 60-game season. The other one was last year where they won 99 games. I think Boone... For whatever you want to say about him, he's at least somebody who has won games in the past. And I think 100 wins is not an unobtainable threshold for them, especially like how we said before, they get to play some of the lesser teams in the league and get less games against the the real heavy AL East. Pakoda has them going 96 and 66, the best Pakoda projection out there. I don't know if the Yankees will be the best team in baseball, but I think that they can compete with just about anybody, and they have a chance. I think this might be the second most talented Yankees roster we've seen, especially with the youth movement. And if everything breaks their way, they should be playing deep until October, if not getting into some November baseball for our new Mr. November, Anthony Volpe, to make some memories. Just a real excited season. It is a really exciting season because anytime you go into the year where it is World Series or bust, that means you are expecting some really great baseball. And Yankees fans should expect nothing less from this group. There is a huge payroll there. Not what the Mets are paying, but still nothing to sneeze at. There are a lot of big names on this roster. A lot of great pitchers. A lot of great hitters. You know what? I understand the postseason success hasn't been there for the offense, does not matter. You have to buy in. You have to believe in these guys because these are the guys that are going to be there and they're the ones that are going to have to try to do it this year. I do think that the Yankees are able to make a run and I do think that they make it to the World Series this year. Some high praise there from Ben Mandel. We uh, we appreciate that as Yankees fans, Ben. I was getting a little, you know, analytical nerd, whatever you'd like to call it here. And we know a lot of these pitching injuries are 
till end of April, early May. So I thought, let me look at the Yankees' schedule, see how much this is going to hurt them. And these are the opponents. I'll run through them quick. San Francisco, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota, the Angels, and then Toronto right there the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of April. Those seem like some winnable series for me. The best team that you have in there is the Phillies. But in that series, you're going to have Nestor as well as Garrett Cole on the mound. So you won't even really notice the pitching laps there, in my opinion. That's an easy stretch to go 500 with the lineup that they have. And if they can make it to May 500, and as projected currently, Severino and Rodon to be back, I don't see a reason that this team cannot win 100 plus games. They will have, in my opinion, the best four pitchers in a pitching rotation. And now what these injuries have given them is the time to figure out who should be that five. Should it be Schmidt? Should it be Domingo Herman? Should it be Johnny Brito's out of nowhere? We shall see. Volpe gets the call up. You'll love to see that. And Corey, you mentioned earlier in the show, potentially Jason Dominguez getting called up in the summer. That would make my season on top if they could make it all the way to the World Series. I do just want to add, Dylan, because you say that sounds like a lot of winnable series. I was actually going to say that's kind of a tough break in the schedule because those are all teams that have playoff expectations this year. Every single one of those teams expects to be a playoff team. Now, Minnesota, I would say, is probably the biggest, like, softy at that point in the schedule but those are a lot of tough series they're gonna have to play I still don't think I think they'll go 500 but you know I don't think it'll be that big of a deal but not exactly the easiest group of teams to go through in my opinion yeah I mean I don't want to spend a bunch of time debating the schedule because we'll see you know injuries happen to other teams and maybe people come back early for the Yankees but I like them at home versus San Francisco to start the year to win that series. I think at Baltimore, you know, we all have Baltimore finishing pretty low in the division with their lineup. I think that's a winnable series. And the Minnesota stretch is a four-game stretch. And Yankees fans know we dominate Minnesota. Yeah, we certainly do. It's been 20 years ongoing. But every stretch this season is going to be tough. We do have a, a lighter April, I think, than any other month because we have teams that have playoff expectations that's kind of where it ends. Teams that want to make the playoffs, but they, they're they not sure. And the Yankees are a good litmus test for them. While the Yankees, you know, they get to kind of see where they're at for their competition come October, at least to start the year. But that's going to do it here for us on the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. We're going to start our weekly shows talking about baseball opening day, Thursday. It's going to be a real exciting season. Don't forget to check us out on our socials. You got outsidersports.net, outsidersports3 on Twitter, plus search Outsider Sports on YouTube and the TikTok, and you'll be able to catch all our good stuff. So keep tuning in to all the stuff we have going on at Outsider Sports.